Yes, I know what you think of me. You never shut up. Never shut up. Never Well, welcome everybody. Good morning. It's another beautiful edition of Fan Favorite Fridays. It's February 16th and I'm joined by Marla Darling because we're going to talk about their favorite song. Say hi to everybody, Marla Darling. Hey, Never Shut Up. How are you? We're good. We're good. Thank you for asking. (laughs) I'm doing the little Tori wave right now where she like, you know, does the both hand little wave. And yeah, I'm doing that right now. (laughs) I know. Sometimes I like to say, well, hi, everyone. Start out and not because I'm saying hi, everyone, but because I'm channeling Tori. Hi, everyone. So I'm really excited to talk to Marla Darling because Marla and I have like some deep Arizona connections. So we were talking before I hit record and I was like, wait, stop. We can't talk about this before we hit record. This is good. <laughs> this is good fodder for the podcast. Mm-hmm. So I'm a Tucson native, born and raised. And Marla Darling has connections to Tucson. I do. I initially was in Yuma, Arizona from 1993 till about 2008. And then in 2008, um, I went to Tucson, moved to Tucson, absolutely fell in love with it, was there to go to school, actually. But like, actually, so this is kind of funny, but like, I knew a lot of people in the punk rock scene. So a lot of my earlier social groups were people that were part of the Tucson roller derby. Mm hmm. And also different punk bands. But like the areas that I used to hang out at was a little coffee shop called Shot in the Dark. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like my whole Tucson stomping ground is like basically downtown and kind of more like Barrio and Nita area and then like South 4th Avenue. For those who don't know, Barrio just means a neighborhood. Yeah, I mean, like downtown was where it was at for such a long time. I mean, as a Tucson native, I was hanging out downtown. There used to be downtown Saturday night. And it was like the first Saturday of the month. It's really interesting. My parents were kind of strict that the things they would let me do and go to, I always want, like, I still had a curfew. I think now I'm like, of all the things you let me do, you let me go hang out essentially at the Ronstadt Center, Yeah. which, (laughs) yes, for those of you that are wondering, the Ronstadt Center is named after the Ronstadt family, as in Linda Ronstadt, because Linda Ronstadt is a Tucson native as well. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever been to the Wishing Shrine. It's like El Taradito. Oh, yeah. And that I love. Every time I go to Tucson, that's like the number one spot that I like to go to. And I like to light a little candle and make a little wish. But I love the fact that only in Arizona would there be a shrine to a sinner. And I feel like that is a perfect segue into the Tori Amos song that we are talking about today. Which is? Wednesday. Oh, darn, we should have done this on a Wednesday. <laughs> we should have. I really wanted to talk about the song because, one, Scarlet's Walk. I was still living in Arizona when Scarlet's Walk came out. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, every time I listen to Wednesday, that song in particular, that's the one that brings it back to me where I start to think back to Yuma and I start to think back to Tucson and I think back of like the desert sunsets and doing. Yes, Scarlet's a desert album. It's very desert. It's a very much a desert album. And I think that's why it's one of the main reasons why I love it so much. But it's also when I start to feel homesick, I listen to Wednesday. There's this thing, and I wrote a thesis on it when I was in college, how when you go to Arizona or the Southwest, but really particularly Arizona and New Mexico, those two places, and I've never seen it happen anywhere else, it gets into your skin. 
It does. Like there's something about the vast sky. There's just endless space of sky that captures part of your soul and you can't get it out of your system. I feel like specifically Scarlet, a lot of Scarlet pulls that in as part of the sound, like the the production value of it. And of course, Under the Pink, which, you know, just celebrated 30th anniversary, Under the Pink pulls that in as well. I agree. Yeah, whenever I go to Arizona, because like my mom still lives in Yuma. So I go in and visit my mom and usually like it's a dinner and then like I'm off to like the next city. So we go to like, so basically I have dinner with my mom and then that four hour drive between Yuma and Tucson is I think the most Scarlet for me. That's like, that's like a, like an opportune time to listen to Scarlet is when you like take that exit from Gila Bend towards Mm -hmm. Tucson and you're going through Casa Grande. And I feel like that's just kind of where it really resonates for me. Yeah, absolutely. So then what's your favorite performance of Wednesday? I had to actually go on Tori's set before this interview to see like when I've had it. I've seen it live before. So I think the one that really stands out to me is in Phoenix in December 2003 at the Gamage Auditorium. Mm-hmm. And I think um, that's the one that stands out to me. And that's probably it stands out to me the most because of the fact that one, it was in Phoenix and two, like, you know, like so many songs that I love and enjoy were a part of that set list. So it was like, you know, Never Sing Blue and Love Song are like, we're a part of that set list and Pandora's Aquarium, which is a song that I campaigned for a lot last year until I got it in Seattle at the very end. But um, I think that was my first time listening to Wednesday. Then I got it again the following year for the Lot of Pianos tour, also in Phoenix. Nice. I was there too. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I feel like getting it was like a year of each other I think those were maybe like my two favorite performances and then I've also heard the soundstage version and and that's like pretty much it I haven't really explored other live versions of this yeah so you didn't go to the Tucson show in 2003 no I think I wasn't living in Tucson then I was living in Yuma I was also doing theater at the time too so I was also in a projection when the Tucson show was also happening so I couldn't necessarily leave the projection yeah yeah I, I do have a bucket list goal for a tour one of those dream goals is to see her in new york city mm. <laughs> i really want to see her on the east coast and then i really want to see her in la and i want to go to a san francisco show i've seen her in up in seattle and i've seen her in portland all right well let's you and me both will hit new york next tour because i i do want to see an east coast show yeah as well the other part of that too is that alexander leger small has said that when they meet me, they will bring me a bouquet of flowers. So mm-hmm. I am saying that out loud as a reminder that I still remember this. <laughs> but yeah, that's like another reason why I want to go to the East Coast is because Tory community is so vast that I haven't met like a lot of people. And I would like yeah. to, they would love to meet more people, but the people I have met have been really cool. So I have to ask you, what's your favorite lyric in Wednesday? <laughs> okay. My favorite lyric is, can't someone help me? I think that I'm lost here, lost in a place called America. So why is that your favorite lyric? It kind of comes from different parts. I do identify as a person of color. I am indigenous as I both am Apache and Mexican. And I think when Scarlet's Walk came out and there was a lot of talk about illegal immigration and the border wall. I mean, like I had some friction 
during the Bush years, but that was a piece of cake in comparison to the Trump years. Oh, I'll bet. One in particular moment in 2016 when Trump won the election and I was at work, this person said, we should go ahead and give totalitarianism an opportunity. And I was like, why? Oh. Uh, and it was like disgusting. And this is like right when Trump got elected. It was just so vile and so disgusting that somebody would actually say that with their own words yeah, and mean it. But then like during the Bush years, I remember getting into an internet argument and internet arguments or whatever. But I do remember <laughs> getting into an internet argument about Bush and his policies. 9-11 had just happened. And then somebody said, well, if you don't like this country, you can just leave. And I'm just kind of like, oh, so where would I go? Back to Hollywood? You know, I mean, it really does call back to the whole land back that indigenous activists have been saying. And it really does go back into like, you know, Indian sovereignty and like, you know, so anytime somebody says, well, if you don't don't live this country, you can leave it. I'm just kind of like, that's hilarious to me because I was here first. Yeah. The other part to that is that as someone who is not only indigenous and identifies as Mexican, I also identify as queer as well. When I think about this country and I think about all the different ways that we're becoming more fascist every day, the unrelenting, soul-crushing ways of capitalism, constant microaggressions and white supremacy and all these different factors it can leave you feeling lost in your own country. Like you kind of yeah. just have to sit back and go, I lost where I came from. Like, who am I as a person? Like, who am I as an indigenous person? Who am I as a queer person? Who am I as a woman? When you spend every day asking yourself, who am I and who am I paying service to? And then you look at what like, you're actually paying service to, you can't help but think, okay, not only do I feel like I've been lied to, but I also feel completely lost and completely overwhelmed. And you yeah. can't help but think, I really am lost in a place called America. And yeah. that's why that particular line is so strong for me. Did you ever live on the San Carlos reservation or in that area? Um, No. That's the thing is that I didn't like my grandmother lived on the reservation and my older sister lived on the reservation and my dad's lived on the reservation. But me and my mom and my younger sister, we lived in the city. Mm -hmm. That's a dichotomy too, is that on the one hand, you have prosperity and privilege. And I was able to graduate from high school and go to college and like, you know, stuff like that. And also be in theater and actually like, have these different opportunities and then on the other hand my cousins didn't right and it's a very weird and kind of almost survivor's guilt mm -hmm. um kind of way of looking at things oh absolutely yeah i mean i just wonder about that experience of i mean i can i, I really wanted to hear from you that sense of feeling lost in in what is your homeland and not just you know i mean like obviously both of us were born in the united states but it's your homeland going back thousands of years right like you've right. been here thousands of years it's mine going back a couple hundred on one side of my family right but mm -hmm. that's nothing it's thousands of years of of holding the land and caretaking the land in the way that the land wishes to be taken care of and right. how that you know i just wondered like well that line has got to hit different for you because mm -hmm. of your, your experience but right. 
what I find so fascinating too is, I mean, Arizona's full of reservations and it's full of people of color. I mean, growing up in Tucson, it's half Latino. I mean, it was right. half, let's be honest here, it was half Mexican because it was Mexico. Because they're like, yeah, because like, like the Mexican border is an hour away from there. Once you get to Nogales, you're pretty much at the border. Exactly, exactly. You weren't in Tucson at the time, but like 82, 1982, 1983, 84. Mm -hmm. If you went south of Broadway, all the billboards were in Spanish. I believe it. I believe it. Um, I would... Half of the te television stations, when we only had antennas, half of the television stations were in Spanish. Half of the radio stations were in Spanish. Yeah. Like there were people, there are people, not were, there are still people in mm -hmm. Tucson who do not speak English because they don't have to speak English because right. there's this massive community. Because, you know, when it, Tucson became, well, when Arizona became a state in 1912, Tucson was still Mexico prior to that. So it's this wild... Mm -hmm. experience and you're in portland i'm south of you like an hour right. south in albany right. and i am shocked by the whiteness of it i had no idea mm -hmm. how white it is here and the absolute lack mm -hmm. of well people of color but also you know i'm like i know i'm on saniam land but where are the saniam people right. they're gone right tucson you're on like tono o'odam land okay. and where right. are the tonal Odom people well i'm going to school with them and <laughs> right they're, you're, you're, they're with you yeah um yeah. no oregon is something in the last maybe five years i've been just kind of like astounded by the history of oregon and mm -hmm. like its racist origins and i'm like wow it's shocking to me because i'm from arizona where like in arizona they have their racist things too right you know, some of that racism is transplanted racism. Right, exactly. And it's, it's just astounding. I actually wrote a play called Lost in a Place Called America mm. um, that was about trans identity and coming of age, being queer and being indigenous and being homeless. I wrote about like all of these different identities in America mm. and how these different identities feel forgotten. And um, so that was kind of like why I was just kind of like, this is like the perfect title for it. But one of the scenes in my play is that we actually used Wednesday and Wednesday was because that play also kind of was written between like 2018, 2020. So it was a large response to like the Trump years or the Trump election. But then it ended up being a response to the COVID lockdown too. Mm -hmm. And and like what March 2020 was like for people. The play finally debuted at a festival in 2021. And so like a lot of people were still processing that collective trauma. And so I used Wednesday. I basically, I had the song Wednesday and I was like, Think of the day that you had before life changed in 2020 for you. That was the prompt I gave them. And I was like, I'm going to use this song because this song has this almost cheerful kind of like you're just kind of going about your day kind of melody, but then it changes and then it gets dark at the end. So think about the song Wednesday and like the changes in the song and the upbeat percussion part to it. But then also think about how that last line changes and like where you were when your life and whether or not you were an essential worker and whether or not you were unemployed and whether or not you lost everything at the start of the pandemic. Yeah. Think about all of these different things. And then that's how I want you to react or to react to this song. And that's what we did. Wow. I hope 
you've um, tried to give Tori a copy of it. Um, I have not given Tori a copy of it. I want to. I don't know how to go about sending a video link to her and saying, this is how I used your song. Oh, put it on a flash drive. Put on a flash drive? Yeah. Yeah. I know people have handed her flash drives. I would print out the play and with the, you know, put that in an envelope with the flash drive and hand that. People have given her flash drives before. Do people send her mail like off tour? There's no way to. They don't, they don't accept anything. So yeah, I didn't think so. Sadly, no. Sadly, no. So what's your favorite musical moment from the song? Oh, favorite musical moment. Probably the percussion part in the beginning. And the quiet breathing of a Persian Persian, we call, we call Cajun on, on a Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah, that part. I like I like that little like caps that Matt Chamberlain does to kind of like compliment Tori's piano. And like and like I feel like that's like a very upbeat, very poppy kind of thing. And this is kind of like, oh, this is like, you know, just feels like it makes me feel good. But then I also like the part where it like changes and it's like there's like three notes at the dun. But one day the eagle has to land. Well, what color is the song then? It's a desert sunset to me. Pink and mauve and orange and purple with a little bit of blue in it. Mm, Lovely. Yeah. Lovely. The way she paints that, I want that in my world. (laughs) (laughs) So do you feel then that you've kind of covered the what the story, the song tells you is? Um, I think so. Is there more you want to say about it? Yeah, I think for me personally, that song hit me in a different way, basically when the pandemic started. It just like I was listening to Scarlet's Walk and I was listening to that song in particular. And for some reason, like just a light bulb went off in my head that this was like it just something in that song resonated with me differently. When you think that everything is going to be just another day and then it becomes maybe something much darker than that yeah i think that's kind of like what wednesday is for me yeah well it's like we started at the back end of the questions and made our way forward (laughs) we Mm -hmm. just went deep right away and then like oh let's get the superficial stuff too but is there anything else you want to say about how you feel that this song fits into the greater story of your life um so i think like how it fits into the greater story of my life is that it did provide some major inspiration for the play I wrote and I think when I look back at that play and at that experience and especially in the scene that it's in because in the scene that it's in it's the scene right before intermission before act two and it kind of like provided a shift from like what act one was to what act two is because like with act two act two basically ends with hope and fire essentially. I love fire performers. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I like, and this also goes back to Tucson too. One of the things that um, is my favorite event in like the whole wide world is the Dia de los Muertos parade that happens in Tucson. The All Souls procession. That is my favorite event in all of Tucson. Um, it happens basically on the Day of the Dead and it's in November. And I love that event so much because it's basically everyone coming together, like the community coming together and they're all like, you know, holding candles and they're all like holding space for the ones they lost. And then it's such a beautiful display of what grief is. And and then you get to like put your names in like the ball and they light it on fire. And then of course you have like the fire spinners and the fire performers all doing like fire rituals. 
So when I was writing the play, I was like thinking about that. And I was really envisioning this like kind of um, singing in the rain, you know, like happy-go-lucky moment where this person is basically going about his day and he's like, you know, just happy and carefree, but he's on fire. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a throwback to the meme with the dog where you know, I know that this is fine and everything is like burning down. But the thing about how that play ended is basically to kind of pull from Voice for Pele a little bit. That's about finding your own fire yeah. and rebirthing yourself in fire, finding your own fire and using that for change. And that was basically what I was wanting to have that person on fire represent. And mm. I've actually had a clown artist by the name of Link actually do this like beautiful like because we couldn't have fire in the venue (laughs) I wish (laughs) but they had these beautiful like fire fans though and they were able to like you know do this koi fire ritual but with these orange silk fans they had like this kind of fire projection so they got to do fire but it was like a digital projection on the back on like on the movie Mm, screen nice so that was like kind of like how that play ended so you basically had this like very dark moment where wednesday is but then you also had like once around the block by badly drawn boy being at the end of the play where it's like you know like this rebirth of fire yeah, well, fire, fire transforms, fire rebirths. Yes, yes, yeah. So that was like basically like the kind of like the whole symbolic thing about the fire. But Wednesday was more about think of the worst day you ever had. And then like, how did you react to it? Yeah, and then not to mention, I mean, where we are in Oregon, for those of you that don't know, this is Douglas fir forest that we mm-hmm. live in. And the Douglas fir shows up in the fossil record only 10,000 years ago with no evidence as to where it comes from. There's a really beautiful indigenous story about um, you know, the cones on it have like something that hangs down. And so they call that the mouse's tail because that's where the mouse hid. But the thing about Douglas fir and why fires are kind of prevalent here and why it's so important is that Douglas fir will grow so thick with each other that they will eventually kill themselves out because the Douglas fir needs fire to germinate. And so it kind of like it does that whole theme like really works with the land that we're on, too, is that this fire, this rebirth through fire. Yeah. Like you have to it has to happen. Otherwise, our force go away. Mm hmm. Otherwise, yeah. the air we breathe goes away, even though I know trees aren't the number one providers of oxygen, but we yeah. get the illusion. <laughs> right, right. I mean, the, the only time it's scary is during wildfire season. And then it's yes. kind of like, uh, <laughs> it's like, I don't know how I feel about this, but yeah. Yeah, we were in the past in 2020. Yeah, I was, I was um, like six miles away from oh, wow. the fires in 2020 and my aunt was calling and she's like get out of there and I was like no we have to stay put and my boss who lived up the hill from me was like look if we're leaving I will call you she says she said fire travels fast uphill and it travels slow downhill she's mm-hmm. like you're downhill from me we will call you if we leave and so yeah it was like checking the the fire maps at night before we went to bed checking them in the morning because it was as the crow flies it was rather close to us yeah i got so this is just kind of like throwing it out there but i got married on the day of the hood river fire oh my goodness in 2017 and um so that day was particularly hot it was like it was like 90 degrees and then like the breeze was starting to come in and we were getting the ash from hood river Mm. and we were got married on top of a rooftop in downtown portland oh my goodness (laughs) that was fun 
that scary east blowing with the wind that blows from the east this you know you never Oh yeah, you the never Columbia Accords. Yeah, yeah you know you, it's not my you favorite. never fear like i mean down here east blowing wind it's like or wind that's coming from the east that's the dangerous place for the wind to blow because everything is prepped for the normal flow of wind and then every so often it blows from the east and when it blows from the east that's what pulls the power lines down and that's what start what sparks the fires yeah and then what do you think i mean i think you've covered this but anything else you want to say about your how your past experiences influence your relationship with wednesday um, I don't know. There's like, I think there's also been some, some friends of mine that maybe that person was, you know, kind of keeping secrets, like people that just kind mm -hmm. of like, don't really give you the full story, mm -hmm. where they hide certain things from you. And then you find out about it later. And you're just kind of like, well, I already known that because you're not that good at hiding things. <laughs> there's certain people in my life that I feel can be a good description of that particular line is mm -hmm. the like you know ah you think you're good at like holding this facade but I know who you really are and who you really yeah. are is sketchy I definitely like have had a few moments where I've been kind of like I know what this is so I'm going to take a step back and you know I still love you but it's called boundaries right and so that's 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 the other part to the song that I I think a lot of people can resonate with too is the whole like you're saying you're something but actions speak much louder than words. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So on that note, if actions speak louder than words, where can we follow you on the socials? Instagram, um, Instagram Marla Darling PDX. Yes, Marla Darling PDX. And if yeah. you're in the Portland area, go see a show. I have several shows coming up. If you love the art of drag, uh, there is a little festival that I'm organizing. Um, it's going to be a very regional Pacific Northwest centric festival as a showcase um, happening at the Clinton Street Theater. And that's happening in May. And then if you're more of a shadow cast kind of person, meaning that you like the Rocky Horror Picture Show, I will be <laughs> directing that again in October. Brilliant. Um, and also it's sequel shock treatment. And then I'm also doing 1985's Clue. Um, and then I'm also doing a funny little musical called Hot Topic the Musical, also known as, as Repo the Genetic Opera. <laughs> Brilliant. I love it. I always yeah. love seeing what you're up to. Yes. So those are those are like the things that I'm doing. And then if you're more of a I don't I don't know if like the Tory community actually particularly likes this band, but Oingo Boingo, I'm actually doing a tribute show to Oingo Boingo in October. Oh, like, brilliant. In September. Sorry, September. Yes. And then I also do an annual show that is the day after Thanksgiving. It's my little anti-Thanksgiving holiday show. And I've been doing this since 2018. And it is a all drag burlesque high video art concept party called Bjork Friday. And it's a tribute to um, Bjork. <laughs> That's great. Uh, it's like, we're going to be anti-Thanksgiving and Bjork is what we're doing. That's yes. awesome. I yes. love it. That's yeah. not where so, I thought that, that is not where I thought that was going. Yeah. So because like, you know, because like the, the day after Thanksgiving is generally called Black Friday, right? Right. So Bjork Friday. That's Bjork where. Oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah. That's the, that's I the pun. I have gotten there, but I love <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Yeah, that's the pun. Um, but yeah, I've been doing um Bjork Friday 
since 2018 and this will be our seventh year um in november That's brilliant. Lots to look forward to. So yes everybody should come up and visit and take in a show. everybody should come to portland and then eugene you know i, I know that you're albany so like you're pretty close to eugene Yeah, I'm 45 minutes from Eugene and an hour and 15 from the Portland airport on a so good day. there is some amazing 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 shows in eugene so i would definitely go check out old stuff at old next pub and then there's also um, another fun venue called spectrum and those have amazing dragon burlesque shows there Nice. You definitely check it out because there's some amazing performers down in your area too. Nice, nice. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, it was such a joy to talk to you, Marla, darling. Yeah. Um, I just, I had a blast. And um, thank you for teaching us some wonderful things today. Thank And you. if you all out there want to be a guest on the show, uh, please send us an email to songsoftoriamus at gmail.com. You're also welcome to send me an email, rosecrest at gmail.com or Send me a message on Instagram, however you want to, you know, however you want to get a hold of me, you can get a hold of me because I'd love to talk to you about your favorite Tori Amos song. And we'll see Ifren, our beloved Ifren, will be with us on Monday for New Music Monday. And I'll see you next Tuesday. Thanks so much. Bye. Say bye, Marla. We hope you enjoyed that deep dive into one of our favorite fans' favorite songs. As an extra bonus, head over to patreon.com slash songsatoriamus, where we are now posting the full unedited fan favorite Fridays as free content on our page. Patreon.com slash songsatoriamus.
Never Shut Up is a production of the Sideways Society. For more information and links to things mentioned on the show, please visit us online at songsoftoriamus.com. Yes, I know what you think of me. You never shut up. <laughs>